0: Well, if you guys have been with us for the last six or seven weeks, then you know that we're talking about the kingdom of God, and you know kind of our methodology. We're talking about it by looking at the stories that Jesus gives us, these parables that He tells to us in which He unpacks and explains and reveals not only what His kingdom is, but what life in His kingdom for you and I in the here and now look like. So we've seen a little bit about what the kingdom is, and we've said that it is something that Jesus inaugurated with His birth. It is something that He purchased with His life and with His death and with His burial and with His resurrection from the dead. It's something that He reigns and He rules over from the throne of heaven. Right now, it's something that He will bring in all of its fullness and all of its glory when He returns. But here's the next part. It's something that He builds by the Holy Spirit through people like you and me, as we go out into the world proclaiming the message of this kingdom, the grace of Jesus and the mercy of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus and the eternal life that is found in in Jesus, and as we go out into the world living lives of grace and of mercy and of forgiveness, lives that are marked by eternity. They're marked by eternal life, lives that give witness to the life that is beyond this life and the world that is beyond this world And to the kingdom that is other than the kingdoms of this world and not just other than, but the witness of our life needs to be that it is so very much greater than any of the kingdoms of this world. And today, we come to a topic that provides us, I think, an area of our lives in which that witness of our life will either be most profoundly powerful or most deafeningly silent. And the topic is the topic of the kingdom and security. In other words, the issue is who or what do we really trust in for our security in life? Is it God or is it the other alternative, which is wealth? Because that's really the question. And the reality is that as we're being sent out to build the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is going to be built, guys, as this world and the people of this world see the people of the kingdom, the people of God, trusting really and truly in something or someone other than what they trust in. They need to see a difference, a difference on this topic. And so the bottom line of the message today is that you and I are called in the here and now to live lives that demonstrate manifestly that we trust God for security in life. And not wealth. So, with that in mind, we pick up our study this morning in Luke chapter 12, where Luke tells us that as Jesus is teaching, somebody in the crowd who's just like really amped up about this particular topic has some question that he has to have answered for G- by Jesus. He has this thing that he wants Jesus to do, and he's so driven that he pushes his way through the crowd. He interrupts the church service. He yells out like in the middle of Jesus speaking, and he says to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me, because the way that it worked in those days is the older brother would have gotten a double portion of the inheritance. In other words, he would have gotten twice as much as this guy, who clearly is the younger brother in this story. And the deal is that either the older brother is sort of covetously, greedily hanging on even to that smaller portion that his younger brother is due, or more likely, The younger brother is looking at the smaller portion that he's going to get as opposed to the bigger portion that his older brother is going to get, and he's going, wow, you know what? The reality is, I don't think this is enough to make me feel secure in life. Jesus, tell him to divide it with me. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And you can feel his anxiety, and you know his anxiety. You know, the reality is many of us have been dealing with that anxiety more acutely in the last year and a half than we have in a long, long time, some of us more so than we ever have. What do you trust in for your security? It's a difficult question, and there's a real tension between the two options. I mean, on the one hand, it's God, and we know that's the right answer, and we want to say that. Oh, well, I trust in God, you know, and we're storing it up over here just in case He doesn't come through. What's the difference? I think the difference is the difference between that which is invisible and that which is visible, that which you cannot see and hear and taste and touch and smell and that which you can. The reality is that the world in which I live, the life that I am right now and here living, okay, the kingdoms that I operate in and that you operate in and we deal with on a daily basis, within that context, we can see and smell and hear and taste and touch wealth. We cannot do that with God, can we? Or with His kingdom, at least not audibly, not physically, not tangibly, and yet, it's the life beyond this life that I'm called to give witness to. It's the world beyond this world that I'm called with my life to go, hello, it exists, It's the kingdom that is not just other than the kingdom of the kingdoms of this world, but but is so much greater than all of the kingdoms of this world that with the entirety of my life, I'm supposed to say, look at this. Believe in this. Follow this. The world needs to see us act and live as though we believe in the invisible. And maybe they'll start believing in it. But this guy clearly doesn't. Someone in the crowd is so ramped up about his inheritance that he interrupts Jesus' message and he says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus, who understands that the inheritance really isn't the issue, and it's not, said to them, Man who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you. He's saying, look, I'm not going to get involved in your little domestic dispute, but he is willing to deal with the real issue for them and for me and for you. And we know that because he then says to them, take care, and get this, and be on your guard. There's a vigilance to that. There's a constancy to that. You know, I mean, when you post a guard, you don't post him for like 30 seconds and then he's done. You take a watch in the night and you watch with vigilance your entire time that you're on guard. He's saying, be careful and maintain an ever-present guard against covetousness, or as many translations translate this word, against greed. And the word really speaks of our appetites. It speaks of our desires. The idea being that when you trust in wealth for your security, you begin to covet it, you become greedy for it. Does that make sense? But here's the problem. Most of us are completely blind to the fact that that's us. You know, I mean, that's just not a word that we associate with ourselves. I mean, generally speaking, we're generous and this and that, you know. I mean, we don't think of ourselves as greedy people. We think, I'm not covetous. I'm not covetous. I'm just ambitious, and ambition is good. But why are you ambitious? What are you ambitious for? You say, well, I'm not covetous, Tom, I'm just driven. Okay, well, that's fine, and that's great, and there's nothing wrong with being driven. I'm all about driven. Driven is awesome. Why are you driven? What drives you? Like, Tom, I'm not covetous. I'm just pursuing the American dream. And we we state that as though that's like the unassailable goal of life. Like, nobody can question that, right? Really? Is that what you and I, as citizens of the kingdom of God, are to be pursuing? Are we to be pursuing the American dream? Is there anything wrong, by the way, with achieving the American dream? No. Is there anything wrong with having the American dream as the goal of your life? Hugely wrong! Hugely wrong for the citizens of the kingdom of God. Tom, I'm not covetous, I'm just being responsible. Okay. But you get the point? The point is that we oftentimes take that which is covetous in us and take that which is greed in us and we mask it or we hide it behind these other seemingly admirable things. And just assume then the message isn't for us. It is for us because the reality is every person here beginning with me struggles with this. Every one of us. It's the struggle between the visible and the invisible. And it's tough. Jesus says this. He says, take care and be on your guard. It's vigilant. You have to constantly be on the guard against covetousness, but why? For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. He's saying the security that you and I are looking for in life is not found in our stuff. It's not found in our wealth. It's not found in our possessions. It's not found in any of those things. It's not found in anything in this world. It is grounded and found solely in God, and then he gives us a story to make this unequivocally clear. Luke says, Jesus says, he told them a parable saying, and here it comes. He says, the land, and please don't miss the land. The land is huge. The land is big, and we run right by the land. He says, the land of a certain rich man produced plentifully. Now, time out a second. What produced plentifully? It was the land. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, it was clearly the land. Now, step out of this story for a second and step into your story and ask yourself, is that the way you see it? When it comes to your crop, is that the way that you've experienced it in life? Is that the way you speak of it when you speak of it? Because it's not for me. I'll be honest with you. I think that if I was to tell this story, you know, not knowing anything about the story, it would have been in Tom told them a parable, which of course means it's not worth reading for the starters. But I mean, just in case you did. And Tom told them a parable saying a rich man produced plentifully. And you know why I think that? Because that's the way I see it. It's the way I've experienced it in life. It's the way I speak of it, if I'm not watching out for myself. I mean, the reality is, you know, every diploma that I have, every award I've ever gotten, every honor that's ever been bestowed upon me, every title to everything that I own, it's not a lot, but, you know, I mean, really, everything, all of it has my name on it, and so does yours. And we've worked hard and we've studied hard and we've done the whole deferred gratification thing, you know. I mean, we've taken the money we could have spent we did this and we invested and we saved and we strategized and we planned. At least a few of us did. And we saved up and we did and we conquered and we used and we went to class. and we. I mean, you know, I mean, wow, it's I, 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 it's me, 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 it's my, my, my. Tom told us a parable saying a rich man produced plentifully. And we wanted to say that. Because here's the deal, if the rich man produced it, well, then it's his, and he can do with it, with it whatever he wants. And that's kind of the way we'd like it. Tom told us a parable saying a rich man produced plentifully, and then Jesus jumped in and screwed up the whole story and said, no! Now is the land. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And in saying that, he's not denying that this guy saved and studied and worked and deferred gratification and did this and invested wisely and bought the right piece of land and installed the right sprinklers and used the right fertilizer and planted the right seed at just the right time of, you know, the season and on and on. He doesn't deny any of this man's efforts. None of it. He just says, look, bottom line, the land. God produced the crop. And he did that for me, and he also did that for you. I mean, think about it this way. In whatever crop you have, and don't let the idea of the rich man fool you in this story, it doesn't just refer to people with wealth. It refers to people who were wanting for wealth. The rich man in the Bible is the guy who trusts in his wealth, however much or little he has. There are wealthy, wealthy people who don't trust in it, and there are people who have virtually nothing who qualify perfectly for this story. But in whatever crop you have... You had to be alive to produce it. I mean, we're going to go with that, aren't we? Can you take credit for that? I'm going to go with no. All right, how about your body? Did you create that because you used it? How about your intelligence? Did you create that because you used it? How about the air you breathed? The air was helpful. It just was. Can you take credit for that? Maybe for a little of the smog, but that's it. Your gifts, your ability your personality, your energy, your creativity, your stamina, your health. Just go down the list. And yeah, you made the most of the opportunities when they came your way, but first they came your way. Tom told us a parable saying, a rich man produced plentifully. And then Jesus spoke up and said, no. It's not the way that it worked for him, and it's not the way that it works for me, and it's not the way that it has worked either for you. The land of a rich man, produced plentifully, but like many of us, he just didn't get that. And he thought to himself, so he takes counsel with himself about what he's going to do with his, and I put it in quotes, stuff. If you're wondering if you're this guy, think about that. We speak of it as though it's ours. We treat it as though it's ours. We do with it whatever we want as though it's ours to do with whatever we want. And we take counsel with God. Now, we're a little afraid of what He says. and Actually, we know what He says, and so that, you know, that kind of rules Him out of the whole conversation. The land produced plentifully, and He thought to Himself, now watch the pronouns, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. He speaks of it as though it belongs to Him, and He can do whatever He wants with it, which is what? to store it up and trust it in it for security, to hang on to it thinking that in it he's safe. And so he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and all my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. You see, this guy is living the American dream. He is the guy that so many of us would like to be. That's what makes this story so difficult. So frankly, terrifyingly penetrating. I've noticed that Jesus never beats around the bush. I don't know if you've picked up on that. He is what I might call an overly direct person, but I would ask you, is he really overly direct? He's not, is he? And so, you have to think about that. You know, we hear these kinds of stories, and it's going to get real direct here in a second, just kind of a little preview, get ready for that, okay? It's going to get real direct here in a second, particularly when Jesus says what God has to say to the rich man. But here's the point. You know, we hear it, and we almost cringe. It's like, ooh, it's just so countercultural. It's painful. But is it inappropriately direct? The Lord is perfect, He is neither excessive in his statements and neither is he deficient. He is the mean. He is perfectly virtuous in all things. And so when we come to something like this and we're like, wow, that's direct, you know. Yeah. Yeah. The rich man said to himself, he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns, that's what I'm going to do, and I will build larger ones, and there I will store up all my grain and goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. What's so interesting is that little word soul there in the Greek is the word suke. I know you were wondering about that, so I just threw that out there for you. But the reason I say that is it's the exact same word that Jesus uses three chapters earlier in Luke 9, verse 23, where he says this, He says, and Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, meaning if anyone would really set out by the power of my spirit to live the kind of life that gives witness to the life after this life and and the world beyond this world and the kingdom that's not just other than all the kingdoms of this world, but so very much greater than, then let him take all of the good things that I give him because, hello, the land produces it and store it up for himself so that he can rest secure and eat, drink, and be merry. Life in the kingdom is different from life outside of the kingdom. Is your life different? Is mine? I'll tell you, you want to stand out? It's this issue. It really is. Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, deny appetites, deny desires in favor of him and of his kingdom and take up his cross Good grief, that sounds like death. There are things that we have to die to. And how often do we have to do it? Daily. Wow, that's like maintain your guard all the time. For whoever would save his suke, there's the word, his life, will lose it. Watch what happens to the rich man in the story. It's what's coming. Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his suke, his life, for my sake, will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Or as Jesus says in our passage today, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Our security is to come solely from the Lord. But again, here's the difference. It's invisible versus visible. It's I can see it, smell it, hear it, taste and touch it. Versus, eh, you know, not really. And yet, what life are we to give witness to? It's the life beyond this life. It's the world beyond this world. It's the kingdom that is so much greater than any kingdom in this world. And people will notice when we begin to live in light of that world. Lives marked by eternity Lives that manifest and demonstrate that our security is in our Lord. Jesus says, The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones and there I will store up all of my grain and my goods and I will say to my soul, soul you have ample goods, laid up for many years relax, eat and drink and be merry and in any other context, in any other setting we would call him wise, we would call him successful, we'd sign up for his seminars, we'd pattern our lives after him, we'd hold him up as an example of a guy who's made it but God said to him, fool. Why? Because he's a shrewd businessman? No. Because he has a lot of stuff? No. Because he worked hard? No. Because he had a solid investment plan and stored up for his family and, you know, for decades even? No. The Bible is not against wealth, guys. In fact, if you'll read through the Proverbs, it tells you how to avoid poverty and to accumulate wealth. Poverty is not some sanctified spiritual condition. It's none of those things. He's a fool because he thinks that in his wealth, he's safe. He's secure. And so then he becomes covetous of it. And then he becomes greedy of it. God said to him, fool, for this night, Your very soul, your suke. there it is again, is required of you for that too, parenthetically, is a gift. That too is on loan from God. And the things you have prepared, God says, whose will they be? Make the list. Houses, cars, boats, gifts, presents, jewelry, investments, all the things your kids fight over. All the things that friendships have been lost over. All the things integrity has been sacrificed and compromised in order to gain. All of the things that in many cases marriages have, you know, just imploded as a result of. The things that have kept you up at night, that you've given your blood and sweat and tears to gain. All of it, all of it, all of it gone. Wow. Wow. When John D. Rockefeller, one of the wealthiest men who's ever lived, died, a reporter came to his accountant and said, "Um, how much did he leave behind? You know, I mean, wouldn't you like to know that? It's kind of curious. The accountant's reply was brilliant. He just simply said, he left everything. Security and life are not found in wealth. Bottom line, they can't buy you What you're really longing for, looking for, hoping for, no matter how much of it you store up. This is a call for us to trust in God. Security is found in God, and that is a reality that ought to begin to take shape in our life. It ought to change the way we look at things, the way we live, the things that we deal with. Life in the kingdom, for you and I, by faith in Christ, is to be different from everyone else's life. It should make us, for example, a whole lot more generous, generous with our time, generous with our talents, generous with our abilities, Generous with our money, too. Generous in every sense as we realize we don't have to deploy all of that frantically trying to gain more and more and more and more because in that is safety and security. No, 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 it's not. No, security is found in God and that should liberate us and release through us resources of every kind. If you're wondering if this guy is you, ask yourself, are you generous? That reality should liberate us from a whole host of insecurities and anxieties, too. And we've had a bunch of that the last year and a half, right? As we realize that this stuff that's been dwindling, well, okay, as hard as it is to watch, it's not ultimately what I trust in in life. God is my security, and He is immovable, and He is unchangeable. And He is ever-faithful. It should free us from some of the cravings and the desires that we have for more and more and more and more and the incessant need for more. More doesn't help. More is not the answer. The Lord is. And bottom line, it really ought to free us up to live our lives for God and for His kingdom, lives that give witness to the life beyond this life, the world beyond this world, and the kingdom of God that is so very much greater, incomparably greater greater as we begin to live lives by faith in light of the invisible, not the visible. Jesus gives the rebuke of the Lord to this guy who comes to him with a ball full of angst, you know. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance because I just don't know if this is enough for me to feel secure. But he delivers it to us too. We all of us fit this mold more or less. But God said to him, Fool, this night your very soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? And then he says, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And let me be clear about that. He's not saying, So is the one you know, who doesn't give all of his money to the poor or to the church or to parachurch organizations. That's not what that means. It means, So is the one who, who has focused his life on himself and on piling up enough stuff to make himself feel secure and has not, therefore, focused his life on God and the purposes of God in which really and truly is security. So who or what do you trust in for your security? Is it what's visible Or is it the invisible, ever-faithful God? Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your kingdom. God, we thank You for even difficult words. Lord, we thank You for our Lord who so well patterns this, who gave away all the wealth of heaven to enter into our humanity as a slave Galilean, and who gave away his life, all of his riches, even his life, that we might by faith be made rich. We thank you, Father, for the call on our lives to build his kingdom, a kingdom that never fails and that never ends. And we thank you for the promise that we have that in you is life and security. I pray that you would increase our faith and our vision of God, and I pray that you would help us to live lives that give witness to the invisible by trusting and demonstrating that trust in the invisible, ever-faithful God. We thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.